The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Let me explain what we do here at Song Confessional. So we collect anonymous stories. Well, people tell us these stories and and their identity is anonymous, right? So we travel all over the country. We go to music festivals. We go to state fairs. We've even gone to uh, conferences of event marketers. Um, And people tell us stories. We've got two permanent booths, one here in Austin and one in Colorado at the Mishawaka Amphitheater. And basically, we gather all these anonymous stories, we choose our favorite ones, and we give them to songwriters and bands who turn them into new original songs. On this podcast, you're going to hear that anonymous confession, you're going to hear the song and inspired, and then an interview with the songwriters. I'm sitting here with my favorite little Colleen. Tell him your name. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Catanzaro. On part one of this episode, you heard the beautiful song, The Call, by Leyline and the uh, crazy love story confession that inspired it, which we gathered at Hotel Magdalena originally. Uh, now you're going to hear my interview with Leyline. Interview. 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 Okay, so who am I speaking with? My name is Emily. And I'm Kate. I'm Maddie. And I'm Lydia, and we are... The four members of the band Leyline. Leyline, uh, you're here from you're from Austin, Texas. I know you have uh, uh, an interesting background and musically, uh, mostly, which informs your music. But uh, you guys were part of this project uh, as part of our Hotel Magdalena Artist in Residence program, which took place how long ago was that? It was July of 2021. Which I remember very, very clearly because I was the sole member to actually live at Hotel Magdalena for seven days or however long we were there. So Emily, you were the only one who stayed at the hotel? No, everybody stayed for like a couple of nights in their respective moments. But we had a big tour that summer planned and I sublet my place. So it was Mm. really advantageous for me. And I have never had the chance to live on South Congress. So it was a great time. I enjoyed it. It, I will, I mean, summer 2021, for whatever reason, feels further away to me than it. That feels like an, a decade ago in my mind. Maybe just a lot has happened in my life, but that feels like a very, very long time ago. What, what, what do you guys remember from being at that hotel for a week? Mm-hmm. The world kind of feels like a different place, you know? I mean, so much has happened for us globally and locally. I think like Austin also feels a little different, like that we were experiencing like a huge boom of people coming in and Hotel Magdalena was kind of a scene. Like people are coming and and staying and vacationing in Austin and kind of escaping the quarantine and pandemic madness. So Austin definitely had like a very like lively, playful energy at the time. But there was also the contrast, you know, of being on tour and still dealing with regulations and restrictions and 
you know, potential health stuff. So I think that the hotel kind of provided this whirlwind of celebration and pause at the same time. Like we had a DJ set there that was so much fun. Um, and then, yeah, we were also kind of in and out. So it was interesting to kind of consistently be checking in and out of a hotel, which I don't think happens very much. Yeah. So you you guys did say this hotel for a week. Your mission was to write a song and uh, we gave you this, um, this very long, intense confession. I'm, I, I don't know. So did you guys listen to, listen to this confession together for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. And actually we were one of the rare cases that you gave us two stories to pick from. That's true. And so you and- chose... It's gone. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. This one was just like, we listened to both of them. Both were appealing. We definitely went through like a little decision process. And um, this story was just like, it was so cool. There were a few references that felt familiar and wildly close to home. So within a few minutes, our private investigator, Kate, Kate Robertson, oh, <laughs> I mean, we have to be honest. Yeah. Literally discovered who was in the story. It was amazing. It was like, it was so wild. And like, yeah. So just as a group, it's, it's really cool for each other to tell stories about our lives because ultimately we've got a full map of the situation. Oh my God. I love CSI Leyline. Okay. So, so is Leyline. Oh my God. I love that. So uh, I'm just going to uh, randomly choose one of you based on the order on my screen. Madeline, can you can you try to like summarize this confession? Like what was this confession about? Not your song. What was the confession about? Um, It was a love story that spanned like almost a decade, I think. I don't know exactly how. I think it might have been like six years. Like, I don't know if we kind of just played that into the song, but mm-hmm. it was... Oh my god, my memory is so bad. But I just know that you can you can literally volunteer another investigator well, the, if the you want. The one thing that I will say is why we latched onto it was that we had all these insane synchronicities with this couple. Um, so the love story was so entertaining for us to listen to. It was like quite long, um, but it went between Ithaca, New York, which is where Lydia and I grew up, and Whoa. then at one point, I they went to Brazil, didn't they? That was like someone did or both of them did. And so it was all these places that we connected to and they would like, they like mentioned a place in Ithaca that we've been to. So it was just so cool to be like, this is coming so close to home, but it's spanning such a long amount of time. What is the band's connection to Brazil? um, (laughs) Is that, so Kate and Emily have, um, as a duo and individually have spent a lot of time there. They kind of initially met in Brazil. And when we all met as a band, they had just come back from this long travel. Emily then went back and did a stint abroad and so did Kate. And a lot of the music that we play is inspired by the travels that they've had. And then we all went in 2017 and our album We Saw Blue was mostly inspired by this three month trip that we did throughout Brazil. So the music has a big influence and in the language and the poetry. Crazy. So, yeah. so you grew up in Ithaca where part of this confession took place and the confessor went to Brazil. 
had yeah and i don't wild. remember the details of that i just know that we were like what this is insane do any of you guys remember that like what what he did lydia like, you were about to say something before i interrupted you with my clarifying question Oh, I just thought it was funny that like back on the Leyline CSI note, he never said that he was in Ithaca. He mentioned College Town Bagels or something or like a bagel place. I don't know. It was just very clear to us that it was Ithaca, but like you wouldn't. He never said the name, which I thought was so interesting. Wow. But that was like how deep our connection to this story was. It was like we knew all the inside references. Okay, well, so what else? So it's a love story that took place over a long period of time. In Ask Ithaca. Kate. Kate. Yeah, knows. Kate, t- give us a s- summary of this confession. Well, I don't know if I can give like a play-by-play. Yeah, yeah, just what, what you I, remember. But my what really stood out to me was not only the love story, but the personal like struggle and journey of our hero, right? The The one telling telling the tale, telling the confession and his um, his challenges with mental health and how that affected his relationship. And to understand that there's, you know, your, your perception and your kind of grasp on reality is so affected by all of these factors. And I think he was willing to let go of love to be able to find himself again. And I remember that they came back together once he was more stable and steady. And that was just such an honorable journey, you know, to be like, well, I've really need to take care of myself before I can take care of somebody else. Wow. That's a really nice way to put it. I just, it's just coming back to me that exactly what Kate said. And then there was this this long span of acceptance of like, I think she, she's the love of my life and that love doesn't have to look a specific way. It doesn't have to mean that we're physically together. I think for a while it was like a deep friendship and then kind of like pushing away again, but this acceptance of, I know that that love will always exist. And he's also kind of looking for these signs along the way of like, do I step back into this or do I just accept it as a piece of my path that's like gotten me to a place of self-love um, in knowing that I can love someone else so much. And that I think that's kind of the piece that we folded into the song a lot is just this like, I'm always going to love you no matter what that physically looks like. What What is the refrain of your song? Like, what's the actual lyric that you repeat in the the refrain? It says, um, can, can we run? Well, the, the chorus actually changes. It says, can we run through the pain and the pleasure come when we feel the call um, to love it all? So it's kind of like, it's just encapsulating that roller coaster of life. I mean, that's essentially being able to dive through. I mean, the detail he shared the story out was so cool could have been made into a movie it was like very yeah. play by play and and it was just beautiful because it reminds us of how other people are experiencing a story how certain times in life come with so much detail like you can remember each 
each kind of iteration of reconnecting or them coming back into your mind. And especially through that journey of kind of long distance and separation of, you know, what's going on in um, each, each person's respective life and, and thoughts and whatnot. One thing that I've uh, noticed through doing this project is um, I think that we can tell when someone's never told a story before. And one of the reasons that you can, that I I at least think we can tell, or they haven't told it often, is that um, it comes out very, very non-linearly. Like it's kind of, I mean, that's just how people normally communicate, right? Like it's not first, second, third, fourth actions in a row, kind of like a timeline. And the thing I noticed about this confession is it's an amazing amount of detail. And there's like some almost like thematic webs that sort of tie together. But it seems to me like if he ha- if the confessor hasn't told the story to other people before, he's a- he really, really thought it through. Like it was, it's incredible to communicate that much information in that amount of time. Like that's, like you said, it could be an entire movie. Or TV series. <laughs> like it's so much <laughs> happens and you really like get a grasp, you know? Yeah. What were we going to say, Madeline? And wasn't he at the hotel doing the song confessional? Cause they, cause he was like proposing. Is that just what, I think that's what we find at the end is like, and I just asked this woman to marry me unless I made this up. Cause that's what would happen in the movie. But it <laughs> felt like this. Like, this is like, I'm only just putting all of this together, like the whole span of this relationship that's gotten us to this moment in this hotel. That was my takeaway at the end. Do you remember Walker? I don't, I I think he, I think they, they, he had proposed already and that this was, this was right after that had happened. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just remember we were all like crying by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a level of devotion that um, I don't think you see a lot from people our age, our age being younger. I think people are more apt to sort of leave relationships that have this much uh, complication these days. And like the fact that these two people have pushed through is like um, incredible, you know? Totally. Well, what was really amazing about um, the whole scenario is that Kate had written this song um, actually like long before we ended up collaborating on kind of structuring some of the verses out and really catering the lyrics to to more of the story. But um, like the melody and and the chords and structure were kind of already there. And it was like, whoa. And the chorus was a little bit different. The words were a little different. And then that's the beautiful part of music, right? Is like, we ended up getting in the studio with Jim Eno. And I was like, I kept mistaking this lyric. And Kate was like, you know, I actually, I like that. And that's like kind of when the shift happened and even in the chorus. So it's like, it's just a beautiful evolution of like, it's so like metaphoric of the love story, but just what feels natural and what you keep kind of you know, that's how like sometimes songs can evolve. This one yeah. feels very much that way. I have a lot to say on that, but I don't want to stop any of you from adding on to that. 
I had another studio note that stuck out to me on that yeah. same vein. Please. So the way that we tracked it was I was playing Wurlitzer, Maddie was playing bass, Emily was playing guitar all in the same room. And Kate was in the vocal booth recording a scratch so that we knew where we were in the song. And then later she would go record her vocals. So we did a couple takes like that. And then she did a couple takes like on her own. Is that correct? And probably by the end of the day, we had like eight different takes from Kate and we're listening through and Jim's like, can we just try something? Can we go back to the very first take? Kate literally was like, okay, I'm not warmed up yet, but like, it'll be good. I'll just go for it. And that was like the take that we ended up using for the song. It just like had something that none of the other takes had. And it kind of reminds me of him sitting in this booth to tell his story for the first time. And like, it just came out so raw and beautiful and like, you couldn't replace that. You couldn't perfect that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, in the studio, I, I have had that happen before. And one, I, first of all, I just roll back and say that I love the lead vocal on this song. It sounds amazing. It's like, it, it's, it's, um, it's raw in a way that, that, uh, I just I assumed that you guys had performed this song like a lot, and that's sort of where that like comfort with the vocal came from. But that's really cool that it was the first take. So I, I'm you guys. You said that basically Kate had sort of written some version of this song uh, before you heard the confession, and then you sort of tailored the song that she had written to the confession. What exactly is it like? normally for Leyline to write a song is that your process like one of the four of you bring something in and then you sort of workshop it yeah that's yeah. one of one of the ways I think like there's 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 not necessarily one way mm -hmm. but um that's definitely like we call them seeds you know like someone has a seed and then we all like water it and take care of it till it grows into a, a song um and so that that was a seed that um, I had been, you know, working with for a little bit and it was like, oh, this just feels right. And I think sometimes we'll, um, you know, everyone will bring in different, maybe it's not a seed, but it's a, a, a poem or, um, a, a quote or, um, a song that we can't stop, you know, somebody can't stop listening to, or a song that, somebody's already produced and want to feel it out and like what it would feel like with a ley line arrangement. Or sometimes we have like a shared experience, like on tour, you know, living together and being on the road and, um, and living through the same things, but having so many different perspectives then being able to come together and like say, okay, what, what has everybody been writing and kind of put that to, to melody. Maybe somebody will have the the melody for the verse and somebody else will have like the chorus and then somebody else will have a rhythm and it could just kind of they like fall into each other. Mm -hmm. So basically it sounds like the songs start all different ways, but at the end, like it just sort of gets churned through this band machine until you're all happy with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a really cool moment in our song confessional where there's like the huge build that happens yep. and 
we're all going vai veni vai vein which is like come and go and come and go and that actually started in brazil like we would just jam in the van or like stop at a park and take our instruments out i had a washboard <laughs> that i traveled with which was like so ridiculous just because every time we were like switching locations it was like oh, i got to grab the washboard but we had come up with like some lyrics about coming and going and and it never really became a song and then when this song happened we're like let's take something from our time in brazil and make it part of this because it's such a special place to him i love that i love that your songs are all just these like kind of crazy scrapbooks of uh lyrics that came in before you started working on it and then stuff that you do together and then you pulling basically memories from sort of your origin story. And then that's cool. That's really, I mean, that's fairly unique. I, I, I've found that um, bands don't usually function that democratically. They might appear that way, but they don't actually function that democratically. That's pretty unique. Well, I, I wanted to bring up, do you know Darden Smith? No. songwriter here in Austin he's he's kind of like legendary and you know in the like Joe Ely and Butch Hancock anyway I just went up to he lives in these units where I live and um he shared this book that he made of like photography drawings paintings poetry over all of the years of touring I mean he's toured with like Emmylou Harris and all of these amazing folks. And it was just really cool to see his body of work exactly how you just described, like patchwork. And I feel like the four of us, something we adore is that every, the, the, yeah, patchworking is life. It's like, essentially that is story. And that's how we recognize synchronicities and full circles is like, themes continue coming back around in, in, in life. And so I feel like this song definitely encapsulates all of that is like, you know, Kate's got this like folky, sweet melody and song written out. And then we're invited to do this song confessional. And then we listen to this confession and it's got all these elements that are really familiar and feel, you know, resonant with us. And then we rewrite the lyrics. And so it's just, yeah, that's kind of like the telling of how things continue coming back around. Have any of you read um, that Marcel Proust book called uh, In Search of Lost Time? It's like a four volume tome. I think there's, yeah, I think there's, no, there's three volumes of it. But anyway, he he basically set out to write these books and he, he created like a, a, a fiction out of it, but um, he more or less wanted to try to chronicle like all these memories from his childhood and early adult like young adult life because he because he could tell as he got older that he was losing them and so he sort of worked all these memories from his own life into his book and so it i mean it's i've only read the first one and it took me like half a year it's like <laughs> early 20th century french novel but it's in, it's what you're describing with songwriting is like what he set out to do and i think like that is the beautiful thing about about uh about making art that people who don't make art, like, I don't know how they do it. You know, you just scrapbook <laughs> together all this stuff, whether it's literally memories of an, like an actual event from your life or like you're describing, like these things you associate with recording it and where you were and early history of the band. Like 
yeah, it's just so cool. I mean, how the fuck do people remember all that little stuff otherwise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I, I was just, just... wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia, you go first and then Emily, you go. <laughs> I wanted to build on the time thing. I mentioned this earlier, but after we wrote the song and did the song confessional, we ended up like taking a big break as a band just for like we kind of got burnt out touring all summer and felt like everyone needed to get back to their selves and just like take space which is also a big theme of this story is like just like doing what's best for the relationship and knowing that that might mean taking space mm -hmm. and so we hadn't played the song in like a year or more when we got together to like practice and then go into the studio with Jim. And it's just like so cool how it all came together. Cause I felt like when we got together to practice for the first time, I was like, I don't even remember how this song goes or if it was any good. Or yeah. I, I remember like, I wasn't like 100% stoked on it when we wrote it. I felt like there was something missing, but none of us could really like put a finger on it, but we finished it. And then when we came together, it just like fell into place and everything made sense. And also like having different instruments to work with, like the pianos and Jim came in with his little drum machine, of course. And it yeah, just like really came to life. And it's cool that like it did take that much time for this song to fully form, you know. It feels oddly appropriate for a story that takes place over such a long period of time. What were you going to say, Emily? Sorry. Oh, I was going to, I was going to touch on like your comment on being such a democratic band is like that that's just been kind of honoring that uh, mosaic nature of storytelling and, and, and synchronicities and everything kind of just it. Yeah. The democratic nature of the band lends itself to that. And so that it makes it really hard to have like, you know, the, clear ownership and it's taken a lot of like conversations and um you know honesty and also like respect for that element of like that what we make as a collective is very much uh you know it's a very honoring of like all of those that the essence of every person is so so special and it can't be you know it's about coming together it's about yeah. coalescing it's about collaboration to make the full story um, which is what's so cool about song confessionals. Cause it's like, well, why not bring these stories into the hands of local musicians and see how they interpret it and form it into a song, you know? So. It's cool to, to actually hear multiple members of your band all say that you like that you're, you all honor that because I, I think that something that this project that I've noticed through doing it a lot is that, um, a lot of people's creative processes, whether it's an individual or a group, they're very idiosyncratic and borderline neurotic. I would even say with a couple of, I mean, one guy who, whose music I love, he, his name's Vlad Holiday. He got on here and was talking about how he listens to his music after he thinks it's done. He listens to it when he's drunk. And if he's drunk and he still likes it, then he knows it's done. Which like, <laughs> I mean, 
that's bad. <laughs> like, it's cool that it's his process, you know, if he was making, that's, that's a, that's an intense place to have to put yourself in to know that your music is done, you know? And so anyway, I say all that, like getting a window into people's processes, like a lot of folks seem to think it requires some amount of like suffering or something, you know? And you guys seem like you're able to rely on each other to all decide when something is finished which just seems like as as hard as it is to maintain and honor and maintain that, like that does seem like a healthy place to know when a song is done. I think that there's, there's, there is a lot of struggle though. Like it's not, it's not um, always easy. And it's not like that we go through challenges and through uh, conflict and it's not like a, um, effortless process. And there's definitely things where, um, some songs fall by the wayside and they don't fit in the group, you know, and then what, what does that feel like? So, um, just to be real, it's like, yes, there is a lot of harmony, but we also need the contrast. We need dissonance to be able to appreciate that. So I think that that's where some of the changes to the song happened because, the opening lyric is I've got a million things racing through my mind. Where will I live? How do I move? What will I find when I seek to live a better life and let go of what's leaving me behind? And that was written at a time where so much future of the future was unknown. What my desires and my wants were unknown and to be able to bring that to the group in like a very vulnerable way of like, we don't know where this is going. And how do we, you know, how does that feel? And we have this video, I think we sent it to you, Walker, of like us singing it for the kind of the first time. Yeah. And we're like in the hotel room and it is yeah. very sad. It is a very sad video. <laughs> we are some sad Sallies in that video. And it's like, there's kind of in this weird, like, like waltz time, you know? Mm-hmm. And cause it was a weird, it was a weird time. And then I remember we came back to revisit the song and I was like, this needs grit. Like we can do, like, I feel like, you know, we can do these beautiful, like big, like angelic harmonies and like we have that down, but I wanted to bring in that contrast, that kind of that feeling of conflict where there is this sweetness and this tenderness, but there's also some of like some funk and some weirdness that you have to go through to get there. And so that's where like that kind of swirling part comes in of the um, kind of chaotic moment of like everyone singing on top of each other and um, really kind of letting it all out to then drop back in of like, Mm -hmm. we still don't know where we're going, but we're going to be able to run through the pain. We're going to be able to run through the pleasure and we just figure out what that call is and know when to, to come when you hear it. Love that. <clears throat> yeah. I was going to speak to that. Actually, I was going to speak to just, you know, this song to me symbolizes how far we've come. And actually like during this time period right now, even with like photo shoots and kind of these last minute opportunities, there's been a fluidity within the group of like, just being like, yes, we feel that we want to do that no, we're not doing that kind of thing in this very natural kind of discretion that has been 
refined over the years. And I think like with, with, we saw blue, our last album, um, I feel that the four of us have openly, you know, recognized a perfectionist element of ourselves and having to kind of reconcile with that and, you know, get to a moment when it's like, cool, we've like, we've been on this, you know, piece of work for a minute and it's time to kind of wrap it up and just like come to a consensus and close it. And, um, that was something that was just really beautiful about this song is like, you know, recognizing the time. Yes. That video in the hotel room was like, I think we got something. And then like it coming around a year and a half later and it just feeling like we're so stoked to get in the studio to work with someone someone so genius like Jim and just have this opportunity to record a new song and make the most of it and really like lift up each other's talents and kind of have that challenge of like, we have today, this is like it. And then it's like, we're mixing it and it's, it's over is just a really beautiful challenge and art and creating. And I think being a self-managed band for years and especially putting out, we saw blue as like a four, you know, we didn't have someone being like, nope, cut like that was the take it's great we're gonna mix it it's gonna sound beautiful that's the song it's like it is really challenging and it brings up all kinds of things within each of us you know like what we our preferences and what we want and whatever so yeah it's not it's not always been so um so simple but this song was a really beautiful moment to kind of for me personally I don't know if I can speak for everybody but I was really feeling that I love that it landed there for you, for, for Leyline in your journey where you're at right now, that the song is sort of like started born out of chaos and is sort of now come back around during like a really good period for you guys as a group. You know, I think again, like bands are so, so interesting. So, so many bands end just because like, you know, people don't, don't soldier on like that's, that's the easiest explanation, you know, but if you do like your, your connection really does get deeper and better. It can get deeper and better and everyone can be happier doing it. What were you going to say, Kate? Well, I think there's, there's definitely like the part of soldiering on, but also the part of like letting it breathe, Mm -hmm. like, like letting it loosen up a little bit and maybe, and not being super, um, attached or dependent on a past vision of what you thought the band was going to be. And I think that that like letting it, letting it evolve. And that part of that is soldiering art, but it's not, I think like sometimes that's if you soldier on with like too tight a grip on like either people in the band or what you, what you want or what like you think the band needs instead of listening to what it needs, that's, I feel like where a lot of separation happens. And that's like true in any relationship, you know, friendships and intimate relationships. It's like things are going to grow and evolve and it's not, you know, what it's not like, can you love it for what it will become, but can you love it for like what it is? Yeah. What are you going to say, Madeline? Yeah, I feel like the way that like what this song ended up being is such a testament to that of like, let's just have curiosity with what it feels like now and what we feel like playing now with a without the attachment of like 
where is this song going to belong and how does it fit in with the body of work and how does it like promote us to a specific goal that we have? It was like, oh, let's just say yes to this opportunity and just like honor this vibe that we're feeling. That felt like a big piece of it because we got together to play and Kate was like, this is what I've been listening to. And I was like, this is what I feel like I'm feeling this on the bass. I don't know if this is the song, but like, let's just go with whatever we're feeling now. And then in the studio, it was, it was cool because there was like sections that we hadn't made sense of yet. And what we ended up doing, mostly vocal things that we hadn't gotten to some consensus of how we wanted it to sound and what it was going to look like. Um, But we just set up all the mics in one space and kind of had gave ourselves a time limit of like, let's just give this a couple shots with an intuitive, just going for it and kind of ad libbing on these spots. And then like going back in with Jim and, and everyone being like, this is what I liked and this is what I didn't like. And in the past being honest like that, I think would have, that was, was like a difficult thing to do in the studio definitely like two years ago to be like I didn't like that thing that you did you know that's Mm -hmm. like that would be something that I would take personally at that time and I feel like in the place of kind of acceptance and non-attachment that we've gotten it makes it that like you can take feedback in a way that that you can't when you're holding something so tightly and yeah, I just, that was like my takeaway from that studio day of like, wow, this is the most fluid day I felt in the studio. Like everyone was just showing up um, as themselves. And that was being so, that was so like honored by all of us, I felt. And yeah, it was just so fun. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we really, like got to everything that I had initially wanted to get to. Um, is there anything else that you would want to add, like about the confession or the lyrics or anything? What was the, the lyrics? line that we changed? <laughs> I was Don't trying to think. There was like it was, was like one thing that we, that we totally changed. It, it was that the chorus eventually became "We can run through the pain and the pleasure." If that's what you're thinking of, it was just like that simple transition. Well, the first one is "Can we." can we run through the pain and the pleasure? But it used to be, can we love through the pain and the pleasure? Mm. Can we run when we hear the call? And Emily kept singing, can we run through the pain and the pleasure? Can we come come when we hear the call? Because I was saying run till we hear the call. So it was interesting of just like these subtle switches that really changed the the energy of the song, you know? I have a line that I really like because I think you have to be listening closely to the story to catch it. But the turn on the songs that make me think of you, mm-hmm. there's a moment in the story where they're like writing, they're making Spotify playlists for each other. She's making these playlists and he's like, is she making this for me? Is this kind of like a secret message? And it like turns out that the whole time she was. <laughs> And that's why we really like there were a couple moments that really stuck out to us that we put into the song. And sometimes it's a little cryptic, but we like made sure to like really honor the moments of his story that meant the most to us. Have you ever, man, wow. 
that is such a juicy reveal. I have you ever done anything like that? Anybody where you like it's such a secret longing thing. You like make someone a playlist that's chock full of secret meanings. And <laughs> I thought you were gonna say wrote a song about someone and I <laughs> went back to like sixth grade. We wrote a song about our friend Alex and her boyfriend. And we like she was in the band and we wrote an entire song that she played not knowing that it was about I mean, she must have known. But it was just like, that was a little too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I did have one, one, I think that this interview is all here. So I just want to try a couple of things, see if there's anything more. But Kate, so you wrote, you basically wrote the, the chorus lyric before it had this meaning. What did it mean to you before? Hmm. Or was it kind of like essentially the same idea and this just like gave it some clarity? I mean, definitely the same, the same theme. I think during the pandemic, struggling with my own mental health and just feeling of like direction and vision and what am I like, what am I doing? You know, um, and understanding that there's, there's the ability to love it all. And I know that that's like a little cheese balls, but that's where I think it felt like felt right to change it to run because that's really what's happening is like trusting in your endurance to go through everything in order to love it all to like understand that we have to go through it in order to in order to feel what we need to feel if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah it does so i think with this con with the confessional is a similar thing of like their story is what made them who they are if it was easy if it was you know seamless it wouldn't have had the same depth and connection and wild adventure that we all go through on our lives you know so it's mm -hmm. it was just a really a big honor to like be let into that and and be able to witness and hear it and see how that shows up for us and particularly for me having this little this seed of a song um and being able to, you know, weave the two together. Yeah. I guess the only other question I was going to ask you guys is what's next? What's going on this year? Ooh, we've got some fun stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to be out at Old Settlers Music Festival. When's that? That's April. Well, we're going to be um, kicking off Sunday on April, on March. April 23rd. Yeah. April 23rd. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we are going to be headlining, um, Kerrville Folk Festival on the last weekend of June 9th, that Friday. Amazing. Yeah. You're also going to play one of my backyard parties, everything ecstatic. Oh yeah. You bet. Um, can't wait. Also, it's like definitely going to be a year. I hope of releasing music. We're actually releasing a song February 10th. I can't remember if this is anyway, probably not coming out before then, but um, we're releasing a song in honor of Seth Gibbs who recorded field notes, our first album. And oh, wow. he passed away back in 2018 and um, he was sick. So terminally ill and, and went out to record an album with all his friends. Um, it's like one of my favorite albums of all time. It's called, I love you. And um it's so my, just like my, my studio where I'm talking right now is the old sweetheart studios. Oh Wait, like on fourth street. Yeah. 
like Seth's oh, across place. from oh Talk wow about that's circle that's yeah. where we record that's where wow. we recorded our first album yeah yeah crazy oh that's amazing mm-hmm. well so we're doing uh you know we're still self-managed and doing everything on our own but we're working hard to get it out to the world so that'll be hopefully um you know in the KUTX rotation and whatnot and then this has just been a super catalyst to work on some music we recorded back in 2021 and hopefully just keep on releasing music throughout the year as singles. Um, So that's exciting. The Song Confessional theme song was written and performed by me and Zach. It features Topaz McGarrickle on sax and it was recorded and mixed by Adam Mason. Song Confessional podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Ryland Kettery, James Eno, Mike Lee, and Tyler Brown. If you like this podcast, literally the best thing you can do is take an episode and send it to someone who you think will enjoy it. I don't even care if you like that person. You can actually send it to someone you hate. Just send it to them and be like, hey, fuck you. I think you'd like this. That would be amazing. The second best thing you could do is follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you listen to them so you can stay up to date. 